Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left. This is episode. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You shut up. It's my turn. Okay, that's fair. Welcome, everyone, to Matt's Media Corner, hosted by Matt. Hey, 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 hey! What's my full name? I don't know. You're the host. You're the one who's. You're the one who's got to dish out nicknames now, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. I'm not good at this at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Matt's Media Corner, everybody. I am your host, Matthew Jumbo Johnson. With me, as always, is the good Reverend Doctor K. Reverend. Good evening, everyone. I smell plagiarism. <laughs> and comrade, not quite as big as Matt, Chris. No one is. Um, so welcome, everyone. So as we promised on our episode that uh, dropped a few days ago, we are doing a dedicated mini episode to answering the questions you have all submitted to us. Now, some of these are things we would normally do in shout outs, like answers to just general political topics. But we also did a fun little thing on social media where we just told everyone, hey, you can ask us any three questions you want. Three questions per host, anything you want, no topic too taboo. Uh, nobody- Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Rigor mortis. Now, nobody asked anything specifically to a, an individual here, so all three of us get to answer each question, um, which I think is going to be fun. But to start and us off... The best part of this, Kay and I are blind. Matt is obviously the one who always hosts and takes care of our media interaction but Kay and i have absolutely no idea what's coming at us none, we have not read these and matt's gonna throw them to us raw so you can watch us squirm exactly and as well as as great a job as Kay always does editing us i think we're gonna have a lot of these flops and stumbles uh left in here so you guys can enjoy the fun along with us so what do you say guys you ready to start this off and now they can see how dumb we are when Kay doesn't edit us heavily <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Because let me tell you, his editing is definitely the only reason why anybody thinks we're educated. Yeah, about half of our listeners are just going to be like, these guys are fucking stupid. Yeah, it's just, it's just an hour and a <laughs> half of derp is what it usually is. Yep. All right. You guys ready to start this off? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, hey, Jimbo. So, uh, so this is from Heather Michelle. She has commented once before. It was kind of a, a nice shout out we did earlier. And she commented again regarding uh, Matt Gates, uh, the episode we did on him. What are you talking about? Child predator and sex trafficker pedophile Matt Gates? Yes, Republican pedophile Matt Gates. You know about okay. him? Just want to make sure we were talking about Republican pedophile Matt Gates. Yes, uh, Republican pedophile Matt Gates. We were talking about him. Uh, so she had an interesting ad- addendum to that episode um, when we were talking about Republican pedophile Matt Gates. She she notes that uh, even if he were to try and get off the hook with you know creating doubt with like the Epstein defense saying that he didn't know her age. Talk about guys you want to be associated with, right? Yeah, right. But even if he tries to use that bullshit defense. He did. There's still something else they can get him on. She notes that he actually violated the Mann Act, which uh, makes it a felony to engage in interstate or foreign commerce transport for the purpose of prostitution, debauchery, or any other moral, immoral purpose. Yep. And it's actually a double uh, screw because he also, there's evidence he might have used taxpayer funds for it too, I read. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so she goes on to note, and by the way, I just want a special note here. I really appreciate it when our listeners do this. Not only is she giving us additional information, but she's giving us a little history on it too. Um, so for those of you that are curious, basically in 1910, this was America's way to stop sex trafficking of immigrants 
uh, and throughout the years that's been amended. So the latest was in 1986, where they changed its verbiage to prostitution or other illegal sex acts, which um, uh, sex with a minor is. That's the Man Act. That's the, a brief little history from our listener, Heather Michelle. And uh, that's more ways that we can go after uh, sexual predator and pedophile Matt Gates. I got to tell you, I've never, I, I, I hate that. Yeah, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I love that that ammo is in the bag. There is no amount of tricks up our sleeves. I'm not pro for stuff like this and people like this. It makes me sad that that's kind of like, you know, Al Capone has to go down for tax evasion. You know, and again, we have to save Planned Parenthood because birth control also does other medical things besides just allow women to actually control their own fucking body autonomy. And it's like, here we go, Matt Cates. He's literally trafficking teenagers over state lines and selling them back and forth with his friends like cattle. And we've got to nail him on some fucking, you know, amendment. And it's just it just sucks. I hate that we can't nail bastards for being bastards. I agree. I agree. I agree. But I guess that's the argument about privilege, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and here's the thing. If we can't nail him for the thing he actually did, which I agree 100% we should, I do like the idea of being other things that we can nail them for. But I think Chris is right. Oftentimes when we do that, the sentence that they received for nailing them on that charge is often much less than what they would have gotten if we just nailed them for what they did. But yeah, this reeks of abuse and it can always be abused. And that's why I don't like going after these evil guys with technicalities, because uh, uh, something that comes to mind is the case of Julian Assange. Julian Assange is a wanted man internationally because he pissed off the United States and Great Britain by releasing military details, publishing what a hacker found on WikiLeaks as actual journalism, which it was to show that we were doing dirty, awful shit. That's why he's wanted. That's why they're trying to kill him and get him extradited. Or I think he has been, actually. Yeah, he has been extradited. And that's why he's going to spend the rest of his life either running or in prison. But that's not what he's getting nailed for. You know, they got him on some trumped-up charge of sexual abuse, which isn't real. Uh, It is very clearly a weak charge that has no basis in fact and was absolutely fabricated. Any credible news source will tell you that. And it has not been substantiated at all. And it's bullshit, because we know that if... Interpol and the international justice community gave a crap about nailing sexual predators who fled overseas. Roman Polanski would be in a prison cell right now. But instead, we let him live comfortably in France. Not France. I think he's in um, in Switzerland, isn't he? Maybe he's in um, France. Actually, I think he is in France. I don't know. It, it was, they, they went to France, and then they moved, I think, to like some other Polish Yeah, he, he almost got caught in France. Anyway, the point French is... Polish. Roman Polanski's safely in Europe being defended by wealthy, powerful people because he apparently made good movies that people like for some fucking reason. Fuck Roman Polanski. The man's a son of a bitch. He's a rapist. So don't give me this crap about Assange because that's not the real reason. The real reason is he made people in high positions of power look bad and did it legally, simply publishing leaks. And that's what this reminds me of. It's like, yeah, I'm glad we can nail Gatesy on something. But let's nail Matt Gates because he was literally buying teenagers as sex slaves. Agreed. Let's not nail him because he violated some minor act, you know, and, and, and they're going to find all these other little things. And it's like, I believe in a justice system that nails evil for being evil. And if we have to find some workaround, instead of spending our time finding a workaround, let's fix the system. Great. I agree. Yeah. And that's a very long way of saying thank you, Heather Michelle, for your (laughs) feedback. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for engaging. 
Um, and don't be apologizing, Chris, because I think that's great. This is the kind of stuff we like to do. This is how we engage with our audience. Never apologize for it. Absolutely. But I don't want Heather to think that I'm nailing her because I actually really like it when people can write us back with info that we didn't cover or we didn't think of or we didn't know about. It's fucking awesome. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, this next one comes from another user, and he's got several questions rolled into one. The user is from Facebook. His name is Caden. I think he'll, he does listen to the podcast. Um, and he's also pretty active in the left. You were warned about Facebook group. This is multi-parts. So bear with me guys. Thoughts on the sudden wave of anti-trans legislation sweeping through Republican states. Also, what do you think about the situation in Myanmar? Do you think the U S has any right to step in diplomatically? Also, as I said in a post, do you think if you are under the age of 18, but paying taxes that you should be allowed to vote? So those are three questions he asked individually, or four questions actually. So let's take them one at a time. First one's first. What do we think about the uh, wave of anti-trans legislation sweeping through Republican states? I think it's fucking awful and horrendous and bullshit. And I think uh, Republicans are pieces of shit and transphobic and need to stop it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 end of story, it's just garbage. I guess none of it surprises me. Like, to find out that, that red states are putting through a bunch of anti-trans legislation to restrict health care from them, it's like, well, you know, duh. I mean, this is a hateful, ignorant, idiotic group who would rather spend more time talking about Jesus while they polish their tooth than actually think about the ethics of what they do. And this is a play to the base. Because, let's be fair, most legislators don't really give a damn about trans people, good or bad. They just don't really care. These are people who are, I mean, okay, if you're if you're in Republican leadership, like, don't get me wrong. There are just colossal jackasses like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I don't necessarily think she believes in everything she says. I think she does believe in most of it because I think she's just a hateful, awful, awful piece of garbage. But most lawmakers are intelligent men who want power and they know that there's a whole bunch of hateful, ignorant morons who will give them that power if they forward their hateful, ignorant, ignorant agenda. Okay. Any thoughts? Or are you just going to give us uh, a thumbs no, up? No, that, that pretty sums it up. Yeah. It is much, not much. To add yeah. After that. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, politicians don't give a shit about trans people. They are a small group of people that, I mean, obviously, not insignificant, but they just don't care about them. And they do it for the sole purpose of furthering their own agenda. All right. Second part of the question. Uh, what do you guys think about the situation in Myanmar? And do you think the U.S. has any right to step in? I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about the political coup that's been going on for a couple of months, the military coup. Yeah, I'm talking about the coup. Okay. Um, yeah. If, if we're talking about the coup in Myanmar, um, yes, obviously that sucks. A military coup is never a good thing. Uh, it's especially bad for the people. So what? Why should the U.S. step in? I mean, are bad things happening? Sure. It's pretty rare that the U.S. Step in, steps in and anything good happens. The only thing that's going to happen from the U.S. stepping in would be a whole lot more bloodshed. I think we should publicly condemn it, say it's bad. I don't know, kick them out of the U.N. if they're even in it. Who cares? But that needs to be the end of it. When a country does something internally... That again, if we're not talking about a mass genocide, we're not being like, oh, they forcibly sterilized 10,000. Like, okay, if there's obviously human atrocities going on, then yes, someone should step in. You know, like I hope someone steps in and invades America to stop our horrifying prison system and our, our legalized slavery system. But again, that's why I, I always put it in that terms of what is a tragedy to you is status quo to someone else. And so when we're talking about high death tolls, massive violation of human rights 
Um, and I mean real human rights. Not like, we can't vote anymore. Like, don't get me wrong. That's not good. It's not mass sterilization. It's not genital mutilation. It's not gas chambers. And I think that's the level it needs to be before military intervention steps in. Not just because we think your government's doing bad things because, well, that's pretty fucking bold of us to say, I think, as Americans. Okay? <laughs> I agree. The U.S. has no right to invade and send military to a country for any kind of power struggle they might have in their country, regardless of whether it's a military coup or whether it's a just a change of, of head of state. If we want to sanction them and we want to stop doing business with them and things like that, sure. Oof, hard pass. I don't care. Disagree. Why is that? Uh, I think sanctions are also an evil and terrible thing to do. Sanctions do not hurt the people in charge. Sanctions stop poor people from getting medicine and fuel and food. Um, it has been shown time and time again, sanctions are completely ineffective. Um, and all they do is cause the mass death of the poor. Like we just sanctioned Russia and the only people who are going to be hurt are the poor people in Russia. Then I will concede to that point. But my, all I'm saying is, is that we don't have the right to send in our military every time something in the world happens that we don't fucking like. Agree. I mean, that's why I made the, the stink about sanctions, because I actually don't think we can really do anything except shake our finger at it. Because again, First of all, who are we? Agreed. A uh, hundred years, barely over a hundred years from chattel slavery, decades from having a civil rights movement where people of every color are actually all considered human and still contain the most massive slave prison population in the world. I don't feel we have any high horse to look down on almost anyone. Like, I think we're at a higher moral standing than China and North Korea. That's literally the end of the list. We're probably the third worst nation in the world. So in terms of how we treat people. Yeah. So again, like there's a military coup and it's kind of like, and I'm like that sucks. Yeah. I, I feel for the people and I, I hope things get better and I'm fine with us making a stink at the UN. And if the international community wants to figure something out, okay. But whether we're going to go on militarily or via sanctions or financially or through trade, it, it just ends up hurting the people who have nothing to do with it. And so no, let the culture work itself out. Yeah. It, well, it just gives our leaders uh, another excuse to keep boosting that military budget Boom. because there's, there's no reason to do it. Like I always think about situations like this is that for those of you that have seen or have it, I think about the movie uh, Team America World Police. It's literally America going into another country, destroying the fuck out of it in the interest of preserving peace and freedom. Oh, you mean like Iraq and Afghanistan? Exactly. Or Vietnam? Or exactly. Korea? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Or we could keep going. And, and here's the thing. People laugh at that, but it was legitimately meant to be an indictment of our foreign policy. That scene in that movie is exactly what it is. And I don't think anyone saw it any differently. It was. Oh, it, I think it, there's tons of right wingers that saw that and was just like, that's funny. We should do that more often. I don't think any. Uh, and again, people feel free to disagree or write in or tell us stories if that's not true. But I, I have never heard a single issue of right winger being like, yeah, see, America's great. Like, I don't know of anyone who looked at that movie. And saw anything other than blatant lambasting parody. Or not parody. What's the word I'm looking for? Criticism. Yeah, fair enough. You give more right-wingers credit than I do sometimes. Fair enough. Mark my words, I think that's one of the reasons we have... Biden has finally given a damn about pulling out of Afghanistan is because shit with Russia is about to go down. Yeah, probably. But then we digress. Uh, last part, and I think this is interesting because honestly, I don't know where the two of you stand on this. And so I think we might possibly have some disagreement. I don't know. But the last part of his conversation is, do you think if you are under the age of 18 but paying taxes that you should be allowed to vote? And to expand on that, 
I saw his original post that stemmed this question. And he's like basically wondering if people that are working and going to school and paying taxes, should they be allowed to vote if they're under 18? My personal opinion on this is no. I I don't want uh, people that are whatever signals of maturity that having a job and going to school shows. I still don't believe a person of that age is mature enough to be voting. And I don't really want, like, I know how mature I was at that age. I, at 16, I held a job and I went to school. I would still not want that version of me having a vote. I did that at 13. Also agreed. Um, I think yeah. voting is um, a result of citizenship, not of tax paying. I mean, people who come here from Denmark and spend a week at Disneyland have paid sales tax. Do, do they get to vote? They've paid taxes into our system. I mean, are we only talking about income tax? Because there's a whole bunch of wealthy people who don't pay income tax who vote. I don't believe taxation should qualify you for anything except paying taxes. Uh, It is citizenship afforded to adults. I mean, even in the cases where you could really say someone truly is responsible and being an independent adult is someone like an emancipated minor, for instance. Mm -hmm. But an emancipated minor is still a minor. There's a reason you can't make big life decisions before you're 18. Your prefrontal cortex needs to finish developing or at least get most of the way. On top of that, if you're a minor, especially if you're not emancipated, which is a very rare circumstance, that means you're under the guardianship of someone else. And therefore, that person can literally withhold anything from you and make you vote the way they want to. And I absolutely believe the worst people in society would do that. So the way that I see this is if we have... Anybody that earns an income that has a job uh, that gets to vote, does that mean that actors that are 9, 10, 11 years old get to vote? Because yeah. where do we draw the line? 18. If, but that's, and that's exactly my point. Do we draw the line at 16? Do we draw it at 15? How about 14? What about 13? Is a 10-year-old too young to vote? All right, so where do we draw the line? If it's at 16, well, then what's the point? between 16 and 18. If if the qualification is making money, then age doesn't matter. Yeah. We draw the line at 18 because that's where we draw the line for voting. That's where we draw the line for someone who is considered an adult. Yes, we have some sort of weird dichotomy between 18 and 21 as far as when you can sign up to go to war, own a gun, drink, all uh, smoke cigarettes or or otherwise. But those are some kind of other weird things that have happened over the years. And I think 18 is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if we're going to if we're going to start giving the vote to people at under 18, well, does that mean they can be pressed into military service? Does that mean we're going to change consent laws? Because if you're going to give someone political power, how can you argue against the other things? If they're old enough to wield political power. How are they old enough to not wield consent? How are they old enough to not die in the military and be drafted? How are they not old enough to drink and do drugs or get tattoos or drive a car, own a house? Like any number of things. Yeah. You know, anything and everything that has to do with age. Yeah. You, you draw a line at where adulthood is, and at adulthood, you get the privileges of being an adult from then until you die. And that's, and, I, and we consider that to be 18. Yep. And I think that's about right. And I don't know Caden's age. I my assumption is that because he is asking this question, um, that is that is that he is probably somewhere around this age bracket. If not, I apologize. Probably not. Actually, it's it's a very libertarian, probably not, um, or classical liberal view. 
that paying taxes is what determines citizenship levels. Fair enough. Uh, but the only reason I want to mention it is this is not to say I don't believe that there are some people that are 16 years old that are not only mature enough, but completely capable of making an informed voting decision and exercising their right. I think that particular individual is a very small minority in what we're talking about. And I don't think enacting law based on such a small percentage of the population in this case is going to be worth it. And even if it's not that tiny, I mean, let's just say 10% of, of, of people under 18 you know, between the ages of 16 and 18 can have the mental acuity to do that. Uh, whatever. You can wait two years. Like it's, yeah. that is a small price yeah. to pay to not go to adult prison. You know, like I, exactly. yeah. I, I think that line in the sand, if we're going to draw a line at adulthood, it needs to be for all things, yep. yeah. which is why I actually think the drinking age should be 18. I agree. I understand why it's 21 and there's actually a lot of good reasons for that because alcohol and drug abuse does change the way your brain develops and slow things down when you abuse them younger. I think there's a decent health argument to make for that, which is why you shouldn't abuse drugs and alcohol at those ages, but it's not like changing the drinking age stops that from happening. No, not at all. I did a ton of underage drinking, you know? So I think drawing that line of here's where adulthood sits and you get everything at once is a smart way to go. But it's a fair question. Good questions, actually. All three of them. I thought they were great. Uh, Caden, thank you for reaching out, man. Thanks a lot. And to the last of the uh, heavier questions that we've got, this is from a new listener. This is Marissa Frisora. She sounds like a dinosaur and that makes me happy. And so whatever she (laughs) says, I, I, I agree with. I agree with our dinosaur listener. She's been great. She's been doing like, um, I've seen her posting a lot in some of the groups. She's, she's pretty cool. I like her. And so she says, Hey guys, love the podcast. I started listening only a few weeks ago and I'm completely caught up now. And I just finished the Chauvin episode. And honestly, it was so painful. One of the few instances I felt myself agreeing with Kay that he would be convicted, but I do think it would only be because if they don't convict him, there will be hell to pay. So she's kind of agreeing with Kay and myself, I think on that one. A little bit, it sounds like. The whole Chauvin case is one of the main reasons that I've joined Chris as the local card-carrying communist, and hearing all of your perspectives on it has really helped me process what is happening. Because of you guys, I chose not to be a bystander in the system anymore. It doesn't need to be revised. It needs to be dismantled. Just my thoughts. Thank you guys for all the work you do. That is awesome. Thank. That is a huge compliment. Thank you very much. And keep up the good work, dinosaur friend. It's definitely good to hear that we're actually making a difference. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go on a side note here. We, we do rip on K a little bit here. Um, I absolutely love him. And anybody that finds themselves agreeing with them, you're in good company. It, it may yeah. mean that you don't necessarily agree with myself or Chris. It doesn't mean you're in bad company at all. K is an amazing human being who's very smart, very intelligent, and comes from a place of logic, reason, and empathy whenever he makes a decision. Sometimes we disagree, but that's okay. Uh, I, I would also go out on that limb and, and, and put my dollar on Kay's name. That if I had any doubts that Kay was an ethical, just, compassionate, intelligent, kind, educated human being, he wouldn't be in this podcast. Kay and I disagree on more than Matt and I disagree on, but that's because Kay and I are at the two polar opposites. That's why Matt agrees with Kay and me about equally. That's what this is. This is the spectrum of the left, and that's a good thing. Because why would you want to only hang out with people who think the same way you do? That sounds boring as shit. Very. Um, so no, case fucking great. Agree with them all you want. I might call you liberal, make funny once in a while, but that's okay. I'm a pinko. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. 
All right. And thank you, Marissa. That was, that was really, really heartfelt. And, and honestly, when we get stuff like that, it warms our hearts. Warms, warms our dinosaur loving hearts. <laughs> Marissa, I apologize, but you are now a dinosaur. Why would you ever apologize? That's, that's called an upgrade. <laughs> I wish I was a dinosaur. That's the worst part of being an adult. No one asks you what your favorite dinosaur is anymore. All right. We got What's a couple your favorite dinosaur. Fucking Dionychus, baby. That and maybe Triceratops. It's, it's, it's almost a tie. Triceratops are badass. Thank you. All right. Very good. Anyway, next question. <laughs> so the next question we got, this is from Stephanie Shredder. And she has actually four questions from us. <laughs> I love our listeners. Okay. Do too. Do too. So Stephanie's first questions. Okay. This is the, this is the heaviest of it. of where it gets. Uh, what will cause the eventual extinction of humans? Um, humans. Yeah. Humans. We're, we're, we're going to do hands, hands down. Um, uh, we can't help. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. We cannot help ourselves when it comes to uh, destroying the, uh, the, the, the place in which we live by frivolous actions. Oh, uh, uh, allow me to clarify. That was not to say that I don't doubt humans will absolutely destroy but themselves. There's that. tons of solar anomalies. That yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, yeah, we, we could have, you know, a gamma ray burst could happen at any moment. So we are actually at a high probability for a Carrington event at any time. There is high reason to believe those happen once a century. And if a Carrington event happened right now, we would lose every single satellite in orbit every single cell phone tower, everything. We'd be done. A Carrington event smacking into our, um, even if it didn't affect things on the ground, uh, taking out our communication satellite uh, would just would cause such absolute chaos. And if it was big enough to disrupt things on the ground, which it did at the Carrington event, Google that one if you wanted to stay up way too late at night shitting yourself, it would, it, it would literally just put us right back to the Stone Age. And it's one thing when all that happened was back then in the 1800s when telegraphs went out. Can you imagine if all electronics failed simultaneously around the globe? We're not just talking about, oh, I can't play Castle Smashers on my phone anymore. Not only would communication stop, hospitals would be shut down. Planes would actually fall out of the goddamn sky. You know, they've made movies about this, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of my point. Gets even worse. No more episodes of the Alt Left podcast. Oh no! no stop! 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 It, it's evening time. I have to sleep in a few hours. I don't. I don't want to think about that. I can't. I can't I, live in that kind of world. That's a one bullet <laughs> solution right there. Move on. Let's move on. All yeah, right. Moving this on. Is too so dark. Too dark. Yeah. Let's lighten it up. Okay. Next question from um, Stephanie Schroeder. Why does everyone like Seinfeld? Uh, my theory on this is that everyone liking Seinfeld, Friends, and various other shows of that nature is actually a, a Mandela effect. We are all having a mass delusion. Nobody liked it. We all just tuned in because there was nothing better on, and we've all reworked it in our minds to think it was really good. I have never liked Seinfeld. Ever. Same. Uh, Seinfeld is not funny. Nope. I never liked his comedy. I didn't nope. like the writing of the show. Nope. I didn't like 90% of the characters on that entire show. A plus. It was junk. That, that review gets five stars. It was absolute trash. I have watched quite a bit of Seinfeld, unfortunately, because I've lived with people who loved it. There was one exception. There was an episode where they all had to stop masturbating. The game and it was episode. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about it, it. It was very much like it, but th that was them screwing up and they accidentally made a diet version of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Seinfeld is a terrible show, and Seinfeld himself kind of sucks. Yep. People are like, oh, he's, no, no, Seinfeld's an asshole. Seinfeld's currently one of the many cancel culture crybabies who's like, oh, it sucks. I can't drop the N-word anymore. People get mad at me. Fuck you off, billionaire. I don't care. 
They're all assholes. Um, Julia Dreyfus is a delight, but that does not mean that Absolutely. Seinfeld didn't suck. Yeah. And Friends was also terrible. I, I don't really get it. I never understood it. I would say Friends was successful because it was fluff. We like fluff. The keeping up with the Kardashians and most reality TV is fluff. It's something to come home after work and turn off your fucking brain. And it was something that was safe. It was homogenous. Just just a group of white people spitting puns. It's okay, guys. Everything's all right. Don't worry. Everything's okay. You can watch Friends. And I think Seinfeld was that, except for people on the East Coast who want to feel like they're smarter than Friends viewers. Cool. And that's how we lost half our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Super easy. I think all three of us should answer, but I'm going to take this first one. How many licks does it take to get the center of a Tootsie Pop? Eight. Yeah, I will already answer that question. It's three. Fuck you. It is one to who three. Yep, exactly. Okay. I think it's significantly more than that, but uh, I could never, never do it. I always spit it. I just want to know who's licking a lollipop. You suck on a Tootsie Roll Pop. You put it in your mouth. And it dissolves with delicious candy flavor until you get to that actual piece of poop that's known as a Tootsie Roll and you spit it out and vomit all over the place because you actually had a Tootsie Roll in your mouth. I love Tootsie Rolls. I think I right. love Tootsie Rolls as well. Hey, nobody's perfect. Because whatever it is I think I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. And that, Tootsie Rolls, that Tootsie Rolls are garbage. just dated the fuck out of me. They, they look like shit and they taste even worse. You're wrong. It's chocolate. It's okay got a Hershey's Kiss. That actually tastes good. But there you go. And then the last one from Stephanie. By the way, Stephanie Schroeder. These She's just shredding it. Yeah, these are great questions. Oh, oh here we you're, go. You're so very punny. What pa- last question from Stephanie Schroeder? What powers protons and neutrons, and where does it come from? The weak nuclear force and the strong nuclear force. I meant to say the strong nuclear force. Why was I quoting fucking gravity? My bad. Yeah, thank you, Kay. I, the strong I don't know. nuclear force. I don't know the weak <laughs> nuclear force. The strong <laughs> nuclear force. There you go. Uh, it, it's been a while since I was in a physics class. Yes. It is the strong nuclear force. All right. Stephanie Schroeder, thank you. Fucking great questions. All right. Next one. Alex, who is the best Decepticon and why is it Soundwave? I'm sorry, sir. You're wrong. Starscream exists. So, no. Okay. Hard pass. First of all, number one, I'm with Alex. Soundwave is the shit. He's a goddamn, he's a goddamn jukebox. Oh, not jukebox. He's a goddamn boombox. Like, if that doesn't scream the best thing that ever came out of the 80s besides massive cocaine use, I don't know what does. And Starscream? You mean the one who fucked everything up? The one who was too shitty All to even be time. a Decepticon? Like, not only was he too garbage to be a, 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 an Autobot, but he was too shitty to even be a Decepticon. Fuck Starscream. No, he, and, and his, and hold on, real quick. Soundwave it's, have his own, like, pet that was the, the yeah, cassette. Yeah, it was a cassette. Thing. Yeah, Soundwave was the best. I'm with Alex. Soundwave like, was on. awesome. The only cool thing about Starscream was that he was a fighter jet, which I think is the only reason the Decepticons came, gave, let him hang around because he was just a badass fighter jet. And they were like, well, it's probably like Kanye West. He only has friends because he has a lot of money. Starscream is the Kanye West of the Decepticons. Well, and here's the thing. The reason I say Starscream is because he was my favorite as a kid. I, I have no, like argument to debate this it's literally like that was my favorite as a kid so that's who my favorite is Nah, boombox i'm with alex alex mm-hmm. you're asking the yep. real fucking questions buddy all right very good keep on fighting that good fight so from alexis uh on facebook we've got a couple from her first one are you gamers if so favorite types of games and favorite gaming franchise great question 
Uh, I'm going to say, I'll let you guys all answer individually. For me, absolutely 100% of a gamer. I'm actually trying to get into streaming a little bit in addition to this podcasting thing. I think my favorite are probably RPGs or first person shooters or something along. Maybe looter shooters in general is a better uh, way to put it. My favorite gaming franchise, there's three big ones um, that I go to regularly. Skyrim, and that is because Chris here actually got me into it. I was very anti-Skyrim until Chris convinced me to give it a second shot, and I'm absolutely in love with it now. Go to I go back to it regularly and replay characters and new basically new stories every time. Uh, the next one is Diablo 3. That's another game I cannot put my finger on it, but I always find myself being able to go back and play it and have a blast. And then the other one is the Infamous series. It's a PlayStation exclusive. But it is absolutely amazing. I don't know why it doesn't get more credit. It should. Uh, the last one they made was during the release of the PS4. And they haven't come back to it since. They like This is a game that is just rife with lore and amazing gameplay. It deserves its own movie, for crying out loud. Guys? Um, well, I mean, first of all, it depends on gaming. Uh, if we're going to talk about video games, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the RPGs. Uh, Skyrim will always be my bay skyrim will always be top-notch a plus chef's kiss best thing that it was ever made digitally it, it's just there's just nothing there's just nothing wrong with skyrim everyone has the same experience you log in you make a character you just wake up you're in a cart uh and then you join the storm cloaks if you're good and you the heroes if you're bad and then you kill nazim and then then it's, <laughs> that's what everyone has and skyrim's amazing one of the i think the greatest game ever made uh secondly would have to be mass effect so obviously i'm a big rpg fan uh, love the Mass Effect series. I was boycotting it at first when the remaster was coming out when they announced uh, wasn't out of the multiplayer because I loved Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, even though I'm not the biggest multiplayer guy. But I'm still getting it because it's gorgeous and it's the best game ever made. But there are looter shooters like uh, Gears of War. Uh, I loved, absolutely loved. And Matt and Kay and I actually are all currently playing Outriders and Red Dead Redemption 2 online because it's, a, it's just a, yeah. it's a hoot. The real love of my life, though, will always be tabletop role-playing games. But RPGs are always tabletop role playing games are always going to be the love of my life. Um, my favorite series will always be White Wolf. Um, I love Vampire the Masquerade is probably my favorite of all time. After that, it would be other White Wolf things like Mage, Where of the Apocalypse, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm a big uh, D&D fan. I like Pathfinder and I am loving D&D 5e. I am currently GMing one. So. As far as for me, I, the only kind of gaming that I ever did was tabletop. I until about a year ago never played video games and that includes computer or console i've never owned a console never really had any interest was always into computers but never really played video games and then uh chris got me into playing star trek online and while the pandemic has been going on i i started playing that and then i bought a a gaming laptop then i Bought Cyberpunk 2077, which uh, I've had a lot, a lot of fun playing. Then we started playing Red Dead, and now we're playing Outriders. And I'm really enjoying playing video games as an adult, but I, I never did it as a kid. It was never my thing. And then as far as RPG tabletop games, Vampire has was the first thing that I was exposed to. Will continue to be probably my favorite uh, RPG but I've played werewolf and star Wars and, you know, homebrews and all kinds of stuff over the years. And, uh, that's, that's always been a, a, a great source of fun, uh, for me personally, I've always played as a player and not as a, uh, a DM, 
but uh, that's not always for everybody. So, yeah. And actually, one more note on mine: I never even thought about tabletop gaming until I met these guys. They're the ones that got me into it. Um, so my experience is still pretty minimal, but so far my favorite system has been D and D five which is what we're or is it five E? Is that what we're playing? Is it 5.0 or 5e? 5e. 5e. There we go. Uh, that so far has been my favorite system. Although I will agree, I prefer the lore of the White Wolf games. Uh, the world of Vampire and White Wolf uh, is extremely fleshed out. And mm. I think it's because it was probably one of the most popular games that people have played over the years. Other than D&D in all of its different versions. And 5e being the uh, most current. Uh, and I think we spoke about that before in one of our episodes and talked specifically about playing now online and using uh, D&D Beyond. Uh, website is a extremely good resource for all things that are D&D related. Yeah. And, and I should clarify too, I agree about uh, White Wolf's vampire series. I think Mage has interesting lore. And I'm sorry, but I think werewolves are fucking stupid in... in, in uh, the way White Wolf handles them. That's because werewolves. you haven't played White Wild West Werewolf. Fair enough. All right. That is that I agree we, with. We will amend that, sir. I have the books. Do you believe in the existence of aliens? Yes, I do. I think the Drake equation is, while it's not 100% uh, purely data-driven science, I think, logically speaking, it makes sense. And so the existence of aliens, as I take to mean uh, extraterrestrial life in any form, whether it's intelligent or not, I believe it exists. Okay, so when it comes to aliens, do I think there is alien life in the universe? Highly likely. Do I think there are little green men at Area 51 or have we been visited? No, not a chance. Yep. The Fermi paradox tells us that we are an exception. And if there is life, it does not get much more evolved than us. Or we all end up in a matrix simulation because again, why not? I mean, have you seen the San Junipero episode of black mirror? That sounds fucking amazing. I would love to upload my consciousness. I would upload my consciousness in a minute. And those are the kind of the two ways I think it goes either the Fermi paradox where there's the great barrier, which means now where the great barrier is. I don't know. I think there's actually multiple great barriers. I think the idea of cellular life um, evolving to any kind of complex structure is probably really rare. I think intelligence is even more rare, and I think intelligence surviving into the space era is ultra rare. I, I agree with both Matt and Chris for the most part. Matt, you know, there there absolutely has to be the Drake equation, uh, you know, depending on what numbers you plug in, depends on what kind of values you get. But I think it's far too likely just knowing the number of stars in our own galaxy. And then we think about the fact that there are that many more universe or galaxies out there in the universe. Yeah. Uh, I think it's extremely unlikely that we are that much of a one-off in the universe. Uh, yes. And then we, we think about the, the Fernie paradox. W what that basically means is that we society or a group of uh, intelligent beings gets to a point to where they destroy themselves and they can go, no longer go any further in terms of advancement and as such uh, destroy themselves before they're able to travel into the universe and uh, make themselves known to other uh, sentient life. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I think that the galaxy is and as well as the universe uh, is 
so vast that the technology that would be needed to move a, a, a sentient being across that vastness of space uh, simply can't exist. All right, so I think that covers everything for uh, number one. I hope you enjoyed that, Alexis. Number two from her list, where do you think the country is headed politically? And do you ever think it will ever truly become progressive like the others? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I think The Handmaid's Tale is probably one of the best depictions of the future of this nation we have. And I think the only way that changes is if we fight a tooth and nail. And from what I'm seeing of the fighting, I'm not impressed. Trump getting out of office was the worst thing for progressive movements. Uh, the police are getting worse. Excuse me. We had Derek Chauvin get tried and the other two cops are getting it tried as well. But I mean, that's say Well, we've had what, now three, three shootings in, in, in 24 hours of the verdict. Like it's that. not changing you. You know, Chicago, you know, Chicago PD is just one of the worst in the nation, you know, and they, again, they, they willingly shoot a child who's unarmed you know, make awful tweets saying we are Derek Chauvin and just awful stuff. You know, NYPD is the one who came out and said we can breathe. And it's just there's no major city where the police force isn't willfully corrupt in the killing of people of color. We also have no conservative senators. When John F. Kennedy ran for president, one of the biggest critiques of him was that he was Catholic. Because he would take orders from the Pope and his religion would come over his duty to the country. But now that we have Biden, he proudly proclaims that he's a Christian first and an American second. And that is celebrated when conservatives even had a big problem with Kennedy's Catholicism. Now that's a celebrated thing to take your religion first. And again, I, I see conservatism is on the rise. It is deepening and it is getting more religious and more severe and more backwards. And I see the opposition to that getting more milk toast by the day. If Nancy Pelosi is the head of the if is the general in charge of the opposition, we're fucked. So, no, I actually think things are going to get far worse before they get better. I see The Handmaid's Tale and V for Vendetta as far bigger predictors of our future than Star Trek at the moment. I, I actually, I wholeheartedly agree with, with 99% of what you just said, Chris. Uh, I think it will absolutely get worse before it gets better. I think that it won't get better in my useful lifetime because, uh, unfortunately, even people just a few years older than us are still super conservative and still super racist. And while that is changing, uh, it, it's not changing fast enough for us to see the, see the spoils of that. Two parts to your question. First one, I'm going to say, where do you think this country is headed politically? I, I think nowhere. Um, I've discussed this before. In my view, it's an endless cycle of, you know, do nothing Democrat takes maybe a few steps left here on social issues, you know, some more rights for, you know, the LGBTQ community, but only if they want to go kill themselves for the country and things like that. And then as soon as they're out of power, because they can't, you know, they don't have the stones to hold anything, the Republicans will just erase everything that they've done. And then some, there's this constant cycle of stay still, not really go anywhere, maybe lean a little left and then get dragged further right. And then the next person that comes in kind of just plants themselves where they're at, the next dem that is, and maybe leans a little left and then they just get dragged to the right. And that's pretty much the cycle we've been on. So I think Chris's point is valid. I see 
I see, cha- I do see changes that give me hope. I see more people that are younger getting active, but one of my issues, and this is something I think I disagree with on Chris, it's not really related to your question, to your question, but I, I think younger people are more willing to show up to a rally or a protest than they are to show up at the polls. And there's reasons for that. I'm not going to deny there aren't, but I think part of, you can't just show up at the rally and then not show up at the polls either. I'm sorry, but like there's a voting component to this that's significant. And uh, I get it. People feel disenfranchised, but you know, until you get out there and do both parts of the job, like not going to get done. See, it's funny. That's actually one that you and I are the flip side on, um, because I would say it's great to go to the polls, but you need to show up the fucking rallies. I think if voting actually fixed things, first of all, it wouldn't be legal. And secondly, we wouldn't have these problems. Our voting system is unfortunately rigged and it needs massive, massive change. And I don't think that will come from the ballot box. And again, I'm I'm not saying one or the other is better. I'm saying you need both. And with the U component, they do one and they don't do the other. That That's my point. I'm not, I'm not trying to disregard showing up at the thing. But again, I, I would even agree with your point. Like if you just like if you just show up at the polls and then don't get out and do the thing again, you're not doing the job. You're not doing the work. Yeah. But I, I, what, what I mean, I, we can look it up. What's the percentage of eligible voters that that vote? Is it something like 40 or 50 percent in America? Roughly. Well, it, yeah, it, it shifts everyone, but usually the best turnout we got this year was 63%. Yeah, which is unheard of. And that's literally because everyone hated Trump. Yep. But typically it's it's like a little over 50%, isn't it? Yeah. And we're like the worst of any free nation. Yeah. And I actually think that's a valuable statistic. And I think that speaks volumes. And so I don't know. I guess my thing is, yes, I want people to vote. I vote and I'll be the first to decry saying our voting is a sham and it is an absolute corrupt and bullshit system filled with gerrymandering and dirty money in politics. Right. I mean, the Supreme Court absolutely murdered any last saving throws democracy had in this country with Citizens United. We decided that corporations get to buy politicians. I mean, so. I don't know. And again, I vote and I think voting is important because it's not just about my being mad. There's important things. There are county spending measures. There are bonds and things that go to helping my neighbors and people in need. Voting is not useless. However, a protest of not going to the vote to show that this system has no power in this country and that we as a society are growing disenfranchised with it, I think also speaks volumes. And I think it's fair. And I think it shows that especially being that the old and the conservative are the ones who are voting, maybe it can be one of the many things that wakes up the liberals in this country. I mean, it can. But again, if there's any hope, it's not going to be with the liberals. I don't honestly think liberals are ever going to wake up. If there's any future to be had, like I think it's going to be with the youth. Uh, agreed. Voting in American system is a bourgeoisie action. That's the country we have now, and you are participating in it. And again, I do. I'm not criticizing people who vote. I just think that the lack of voter turnout is not the problem. It is a symptom of the problem. And so that's why I don't attack people who don't vote. Agreed. But I think there's a lot of nuance in our opinions there, and that's okay to disagree on that point. Uh, just to be specific, uh, approximately 60% of eligible voters vote. Okay, more than I thought. It it's goes between around 55 to 62 percent of the last four or five elections. Yeah. So it's it's not a huge difference from what we were saying, but just to be 
to cor- be yeah. correct. But but I would not go so far as to say that voting is not leftist or not voting is not leftist. Um, and I don't. I'm not saying that's what you were saying, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like for me, I don't take a hard stance on it. I think either choosing to not be not participate in it or choosing to both have validity. Fair enough. Like I, I don't have any. Like I don't have a problem with your take. I don't necessarily agree, but like I don't think it's like worth like, like it's not the hill I'm willing to die on here. Fair. <laughs> so <laughs> same. And then let's see. Next question. So Alexis, hope that that answered that question. Do you think the advancements in social media have caused more issues with relationships and or dating? Yes. To be blunt about it, I recently was out of a you know out of a long term relationship, divorced. And then trying to get back into the dating scene was a fucking dumpster fire or, you know, apps on your phone and actually trying to meet people is a fucking nightmare. And it's not just a nightmare for women. It's a nightmare for men, too, because there's a lot of really shitty people out there that have no interest in anything other than themselves. But that is not to say that it can't be done and that you can't find worthwhile people out there. My only questions to that answer are a, but didn't you find your current partner on social I did. Uh, through an app? I did. But what I'm talking about is that doing so is not necessarily easy. No, not at all. But I think that's far more about dating when you're over the age of 20. Well, and that may be, but we don't go to bars any longer and meet people. That is not the typical way most people find their partners. True. The majority of people find their partners online. You know, they find people with similar uh, ideas or similar interests through groups and things like that. And then they go and meet them versus where we used to go out to bars and groups and do things and meet people first that way and then cultivate a, a relationship digitally afterward. Whereas now it's it's almost the opposite of well, yeah, but I've met some awful, trashy, terrible people in bars. Like, I wouldn't say that the digitalness has made it worse. I mean, this is my opinion, obviously. Well, no, and I would actually go with you on that now. But again, I, I have a bit of a bias to you here. Now, um, I dated quite a lot the way you're talking about, Kay, um, and wasn't really the kind of way that I was going to meet someone. Um, and, you know, at a, at, a, at a point in my life where I was kind of getting rid of bad influences in my life. And I was down to like maybe two or three good friends. You know, there was kind of this weird come to Jesus talk where they're like, you need to get out there and find someone because you have become a miserable human being. They're like, we get it. You're a nice person, but like you've kind of had a weird crossroads right now. And we think you need to find someone. And they recommended going on a dating app. And I did. And there, I agree with you. There was absolutely a big element of people that aren't really there to find someone special. They're just there to get their rocks off and you got to wade through a heaping pile of that shit, especially if you're a girl, more so if you're a girl, I'd argue um, before to, to actually find a kind of golden nugget there. But the girl I found on there is the girl that I married. I, we've been together for 13 years and married for, for, sorry, been together for 14 years, married for 11. And when I really think about the process really wasn't all that difficult. In fact, it was probably easier than some of the more in-person uh, things that I've, I've, uh, relationships I've cultivated. Uh, I have found there's one type of person who is trash on dating sites, and there's a male and a female version of that person. And the male <laughs> version takes shirtless pictures in the bathroom and holds digital fish up. And yep. the female version 
uh, talks about how much they love fitness and drinking whiskey. Yeah, that's <laughs> and close. throwing axes. But have you noticed that like every single shitty woman's profile on a digital dating site is always i love drinking whiskey it's like no you don't no no you don't i don't believe you at all tabitha you do not <laughs> and and if you do tabitha then great you don't put it on your don't put it on your dating profile yeah but it is just there to make guys go oh she likes whiskey that's cool it's like it, it, it's this false fake hanging with the boys thing it, it's the same thing as the as the fuck boy who takes his shirt off in the in the you know in the in the bathroom selfie like <laughs> all right great i'm glad you got abs chad who cares? And Tabitha <laughs> will always have a duck face picture, 100%, yes. without a doubt. There will always be at least one duck face picture, and it'll usually be the profile picture. And Chad will always have one of a baseball cap tilted at a jaunty angle that he's way too proud of. Yep, yep. But that's the reason why I call it a dumpster fire. And that, But that's also why I said it can be done, because I found my girlfriend on a dating app. I, I'm not saying that it's that it's easy or fun or or any of those things. Well, here's the thing. the The actual question she had was, yeah, "Does think, it cause think, more I, issues?" I think and her I don't question think it was, does. "Does it cause issues in the relationship?" Like, I think she's talking about like Facebook and and Reddit and all that existing in the digital age with relationships. You know what? That's a good point. And, and I think in in that case, I think the I think the issues are always there. This has just brought them to a new forefront. You know, instead yeah. of the instead of a dude sneaking around calling women on the phone, the dude's now sneaking around on social media. You know what I mean? Uh, or vice versa if it's a girl you know and and so it's added a, a new element to problems that already existed i think people that are gonna cheat are gonna cheat the way that they do that whether it be with the the honey at at uh their office or with some girl that they, they met on facebook or some girl that they met on some sort of dating site uh you know as a side piece like yeah they're going to do it regardless of what you want or what the, the medium is. Yeah. And I, I got to say, if someone's going to be shitty and again, I have I, I have been on all ends of that in an equation in relationships. We all have. We've had terrible relationships that fell apart. You know, sometimes you lash out, whatever. Sometimes the other person is doing something terrible. Like, But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if you're going to submarine your relationship or if you're unhappy, you're unhappy. Having a cell phone. Sure, it may take that into a different direction because now maybe you'll be, you know, talking to someone on Tinder rather than going to a bar. But that's it. You know, who cares? It's if you're going to be shitty, you're going to be shitty. And I got to tell you, like every time someone has been shitty to me in a relationship, it's never involved a phone. Yeah. And sometimes it does for people. And that's fine. Like, but there's no difference. If you're going to be shitty, you're going to be shitty. And guess what? Everyone is shitty to someone at some point. Yep. We're human beings. Forgive each other. Sometimes someone broke your heart and treated you like shit. You know what? At some point, you broke someone's heart and treated them like shit. It's part of the experience. Forgive and move on and recognize that we are all flawed human beings doing the best we can. And on top of that, I would also say something I have, again, this isn't something, you know, Facebook, but Facebook is a toxic awful place, but something like TikTok, for instance, you know, places like Reddit, there's actually a lot of really good relationship advice. I can't Uh tell you how many TikTokers who are like, hey, here's some red flags and abusive relationships you should watch out for. Here's what it's like when someone's treating you like shit. These are things that you shouldn't be hearing from a partner. Like, I feel like there's a whole community now of good advice rather than just your small circle of friends to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know. Again, I am I am always on the side that I think that there are problems 
issues and downfalls of social media and the internet. I always believe the good outweighs the bad, though. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. And actually, I find it funny that all three of us met all three of our partners currently online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, next question, uh, again from Alexis. Uh, do you watch anime? If so, what's your favorite one? I would well, consider- Alchemist. I will die on that hill. Okay. All uh, right. So will I, honestly. So I've never seen that. I'm not really... I wouldn't going to say I'm big into anime. Uh, the only real, I, I don't even know what's considered anime, but Dragon Ball Z, like, yeah. like everybody my age who, who grew, like went to high school in like the early 2000s did. I'm not a huge anime fan. I got to tell you, I tried getting into Attack on Titan. And when it started, I was so pumped. I was like, oh my God, this is horrifying. These giant naked man babies. It was like Trump and Mr. Clean were huge and trying to kill me. It was terrifying. And then by the end of like the very first season, like the whole story gets flipped on his head and all of a sudden it gets into just fucking weird nonsense. It, it, it went like last season of lost zero to 60 immediately. (laughs) And it lost me because it was this cool story about the normal guy. All everyone around him is extraordinary. His friends are all super special ninja people. Like, but he's just a normal guy trying his best through tragedy to conquer evil. Like this is a story I can get behind that. All of a sudden he's like, I am the golden God. And I was like, all right, fuck you. You lost me. There's a lot of anime that I have tried to like, not huge into it. Full metal alchemist will always have my heart though, Matt. And we're going to come watch it. That's going to happen now. My and here's my biggest it's super thing. emo warning. It, yeah, I get that there's a huge fandom. Here's my problem with anime: the way these stories are typically told, it's from a perspective that the storytellers are assuming a lot about the readers and listeners. And and, it, and I'm not saying there's a problem with it. It's just it assumes knowledge that I don't have. Like I would have to, I, I think in many cases you have to understand a lot about Japanese culture, Japanese lore. And things like that. Most of the time when I watch anime, I feel like I'm being dumped into a middle of the story without any context as to what's happened. And I'm just supposed to know a lot of the references they're making. And I don't. And so I don't care about the story or the characters. Now, again, that's not a problem. Like a good example of that on like the American side is the movie Bright. That is a great yeah. freaking movie. But if you don't know shit about Tolkien uh, fantasy, you are going to be confused as yeah. fuck. If you watch Lord of the Rings, you're going to be lost. And, and here, yeah. I guess Game of Thrones is like that. Like, if yeah. you don't know Game of Thrones, if you haven't read the books or ever watched it before, you've got to watch the first half of the first season with a person who's watched it or read it because they don't give you an explanation. And I think that's on purpose. You know, again, you, you watch pop a Star Wars movie in. Even if it's from the beginning, like pop in the very first prequel. If you haven't seen the original Star Wars movies, it's going to throw you off. And I think you're right. I think anime is a genre that relies on you being part of the genre. And I think you just got to jump into it. Um, yeah. It's not my favorite. How I don't watch anime. However, I think anime is amazing. Uh, I think it's talented. I think it's beautiful. And one thing I like about anime is there's it is the rule 42 of storytelling. It, there's an anime for everything. And you're like, mm-hmm. I like baking chocolate chip cookies. There's an anime about baking chocolate chip cookies. I know there's an anime about ice figures dancers. There's an anime about everything. If you were a shoe cobbler, there is an anime about people who build and repair shoes. Guaranteed. It's out there. You know, there's an anime for everything. And I think that's actually really impressive that there is a genre that has taken it upon itself to literally be for everyone in the world. I think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So, no, I'm not an anime person, but I got respect for anime. Cool. All right. Last question from Alexis. Uh, Do you think people should be rushing to amusement parks like they are just because they opened back up? Fuck no. And I got a hot take on this one. Nope. 
not at all. Uh, the three of us are actually part of a uh, Disneyland social club, uh, and we are very passionate about Disney, uh, the park, the movies, pretty much everything. And so we're into it. And and so I, I'm going to let Chris speak for me on this one because I'm I guarantee you we agree 100. percent Pro, I think the pan. First of all, the pandemic's not over because you're tired of it. Um, I think that a small opening up now that vaccines are so common, like all three of us are double vaxxed. I now don't fear going to a restaurant, a small restaurant that is at minimum capacity. I think going out to places that are lessening capacity, that are smaller, is fine. Even mid-range places, but something like theme parks that hold tens of thousands, even at half capacity, 30% capacity, that is just too many people touching too many handrails in too close of a proximity. We need more time. And the only reason why this opening up is happening is because our governor is fearing his recall election. Disney is powerful. But no, I think it was criminal that they opened up Disney World so hardcore. I think they absolutely share part of it to blame for the surges in Florida. Again, if them just being open contributes to the death of one person or child, it wasn't worth it. Like, why? What, is Disney low on money? Are you kidding me? They own everything. They have money. They can stay closed for another six months until this shit is actually going. And unfortunately, greed won. And so, no, um, I can't wait to go back to Disneyland. I love Disneyland. This has not made me say I'll never go back uh, because to me, Disneyland is a part of my life, my childhood, and it will be part of my death. No amount of shitty decisions by an asshole running it is going to take that away from me. You will not catch me there until the summer's over. Like we don't, there's still too many sick people and I'm not going to put other people at risk because when I miss going on star tours, I'll wait. 100% agree. Okay. Any, any, any dissension in there? Uh, no dissension. Uh, I, I agree completely. I'd just like to add that I don't care how safe or how careful or how much disinfectant they spray. I don't care how militant they are about making sure that everyone has their mask on. It's, it's not safe just because I'm vaccinated doesn't mean everyone is and doesn't mean that I can't continue to spread it if I take it with me from being in a mass place. And everybody has this idea that just because a bunch of us are vaccinated now that all of a sudden the world, the pandemic is over and we can go back to business as usual and it's premature. Um, that's it for Alexis's questions. Alexis, thank you very much. I'm still going to say our uh, friend Stephanie Schroeder has, has had the best questions, but everyone's been giving us great ones so far. We've got uh, three more left. This is from Marcus, another friend and comrade from the uh, Left You Were Warned About Facebook group. Uh, his is pretty simple. It's straightforward. How do you cope with outrage overload? Um, we started a podcast. At least th that's pretty much how I'm coping. I punched a Nazi. Oh yeah. A couple of them, huh? No, just one. I've actually only gotten to punch one Nazi still. And it makes me terribly sad. I, at the rally in Huntington beach, there was only a couple, a big disappointment of mine was actually something that I wanted to talk about at some point. There was only a handful of, and I mean, these guys were talking about people wearing, you know, German Eagle shirts, SS tattoos, like not people who voted for Trump, actual Nazis. And Several of us actually went to go after these guys. We couldn't get to them because they were surrounded by wannabe bullshit online journalists, basically some asshole with an iPhone and a vest that says press, several legitimate journalists and hundreds of bullshit wannabe online journalists 
who were giving these guys a platform, crowding around them, listening to them speak, and literally we were getting shoved away. We had we were trying to wade through a hundred people to get to these guys. And so instead of them getting taught the lesson they needed, they were given a platform and protected by the liberal media. Yep. So, but that's what I do. I, I bring soup for my family and punch Nazis. And I, I yell on the internet a lot and I, I do a podcast with my buddies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to be honest, at this point, uh, the podcast is the main outlet. <laughs> My girlfriend has friends that that just rail against all things in all genres uh, to anyone that will listen to them. And they end up alienating a lot of people oftentimes. And so to find a constructive outlet or, you know, just any kind of constructive outlet, whether that's start a podcast, start a blog, go to rallies go to protests, you know, punch Nazis, whatever you got to do uh, that's not detrimental to yourself or uh, the people that you care about around you. Yeah, very good. So short and succinct, but I think that's exactly what we were going for here. Uh, Gary Witzel comments on us a lot. We've given him a couple of shout outs, but he wanted to uh, mention Florida's Senate passing HB1, the anti-rioting bill, um, and what it means for protests in Florida and specifically how it targets uh, the BLM movement. Uh, thank you for all the shout outs. And as always, thank you for the great content. I mean, actually, that's, this is uh, very relevant to what we were talking about uh, last week. And, and, and I think it's disgusting. And they're not the only ones doing it, by the way. There are states all over this country that are enacting this kind of legislation that essentially makes it okay for people in cars to run over protesters in the streets, regardless of whether they're peaceful. They just have to claim they were fearing for their lives and they get a pass. It, it, it's bullshit. It's disgusting. But this is what you get when you get Republicans. It's going to be an interesting legal battle because Florida is an open carry state. And if someone is actually charging you with a car, you cannot deny that you're in fear for your life. So can you shoot them when they charge your protest line? I, I, I would hope so. I'm sure Republicans I mean, will try to find a way around that. I, I think we're going to find I, out. I think that would be hella justified to kill someone who's trying to run over a protest line because I agree. I'm, I'm really sorry that people made you sad and late for work. You're now against people like MLK who did this. Yeah. This is, is protesting. It? This is the American way. Um, and it's not even just uniquely American. My God, have you seen what France does in protest? We are nothing compared to the awesome shit they pull. Um, no, it, it is an absolute ultra conservative movement. Um, and it's it's not thinly veiled. Uh, it is there to stop dissent against police violence. And that's a dangerous situation where not only are we letting cop kill people, we're now going to start locking people up who dare to say this is a bad thing yeah well and it doesn't just protect people who run protesters over it classifies people differently mm -hmm. and allows police to essentially decide whether they want to classify the people on the street protesters or rioters now matt and Kay, is that is that the people you want deciding whether or not your first amendment is justified not a chance, not even a little bit. And it, it changes that classification by by number, which it's like seven or nine people or something stupid like that. I thought it was as low as three. Like, I think it's three people can be like if you there's three people just protesting. I think they can still be run over because they're technically a riot now. Yeah. I don't know if that, that it's that low, but but OK, I, I mean, I'm not going to argue with it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Whatever the number is, it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter. It, yeah, which is fine. But apparently that means I can go drive through a field of Trump, of Trump supporters. Well, and that was the thing that hit me weird, too. It's like, I've seen Trumpers do this, too. Like, it isn't just too. a tactic of the left. The right does this. It's never going to be applied to them because yeah. we're going to be leaving it up to the police and the district attorneys as to whether or not this gets applied. 
and well. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. And if anything, the person driving the car through a right-leaning uh, crowd, I think, has more to fear because those people are known to open carry more so than leftists. More often. Again, regardless, we have a constitutional right of assembly for the state to then say just existing in a group is a riot and is unlawful is completely against the con it's a complete violation of the constitution well it's bullshit and, and surprise surprise who supports this police unions and the gop shocker right they get to use it to their advantage well who cares less about the constitution than police and the gop anyone can you think of anyone no i can't those are the two groups who violate the constitution at the highest rate yeah no shit we got let's we got three more left. Let's let's end these on a happy note. Uh, first one is just a comment uh, from our good friend TD Gamer. That's right, Thesian Dominicus Gamer has a quote from you, Chris. He says, uh, "This is a quote from I think uh, our one of our episodes, like two episodes ago, uh, from Chris. If the body is a temple, mine has been a Roman orgy. Best sentence I have heard today from the left pod. <laughs> so that, that, well, thank you, sir." TD's giving you massive shout outs there in love. <laughs> and the next one is from Windsor, friend of the podcast, Windsor from the Thanks I Hate It hey, podcast. They're great. They are everyone great. Go listen Those, to them. Everyone should go listen to them. They are amazing and wonderful. And she has a question. She wants to know which we think is superior, Rugrats or Doug? Rugrats, no contest. Uh, and the agree. answer is neither. K is not into cartoons, but K is not K is not a normal. I like person. cartoons just fine. I think both of those cartoons from the early 90s are junk. That unit does not have a soul. Yeah, it does not. Just ignore that guy. Now, to be fair, even though I will violently defend Rugrats as a superior cartoon, that doesn't mean I trashed up Quail Man forever. I'm exactly. Interested. They both have a, play, uh, a soft spot in my heart. Like I, Those things came out right when I was in middle school. Yeah. Like I was at the age of that they were targeting. and But I agree, Rugrats was the far superior one. It's a Star Trek, Star Wars thing. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, they're different. Very much so. Both are good, but I'm not going to fault anyone for picking one of the other, as long as you yeah. agree they're both good. 100%. 100%. But, uh, but Rugrats, uh, Doug, is, uh, Doug is the story of a privileged white boy, whereas Rugrats is about class struggle. So, yep. mm, Rugrats, yep. all day. Yep. <laughs> like that take. Love that take. All right. So to close this episode out, we've got a big one for you guys. Um, so I called him out for it a couple episodes ago. I told ago. you to after the podcast, buddy. No, I'm going to hit you long and hard right now. Um, our good friend, Justin uh, Randalls, uh, the admin of the uh, Left You Award About group, uh, kind of teased him a little bit, a couple, I think it was a couple. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was two true. episodes ago about saying he was going to submit a, a rebuttal to Chris's and our basically all of our stances on AOC. He didn't do it, but now he has. So I'm going to kind of give you guys the Cliff's Notes version of this because he, to his credit, wrote us a two-page response. And so what I did is I just submitted that to the guys so that they could read it beforehand and we'll kind of address them. But the long and the short of it is that he kind of answers Chris posed three questions that we have to ask. The three questions Chris posed were, where does AOC stand compared to everyone else? Two is what is the ethical way to deal with it? Uh, and then three is what would I do if I was in AOC's shoes? And so he based our, our friend Justin went ahead and answered those. Um, so to to go off of since he he took my three, uh, they were by the way they were supposed to be rhetorical, but I mean let's let's go ahead let's <laughs> let's do it non rhetorically. So like okay, um, for instance, uh, you think you know where do I where does AOC stand compared to everyone else? And you made the 
the, the which I, I the correct assessment that she's you know with the exception of like Rashida Tlaib she's the furthest left and I would actually disagree I think Ilian Omar is also left of AOC uh, I think AOC gets third place yeah I agree I like Rashida Tlaib she's a badass she's my number two my number one she's is my number one. Omar oh see I, I go reverse Rashida Tlaib first yeah. and then Ilian Omar but, but again I mean, this is Star Trek Star again, Wars this is yeah. <laughs> dark chocolate milk chocolate like you can have a preference but they're both good you know he he makes the point that just being super progressive doesn't make you not valid to criticism and I agree with you and I actually completely agree with you this is actually my what I think is her biggest failing is being so silent on the kids in cages because she pulled a liberal move and, and you're a hundred percent correct. I think it's an accurate gripe because as soon as Biden came into office, all of a sudden it was kind of okay. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. And that's bullshit. bullshit. Yep. And and that's fair. Your second one where you see, you know, what's the ethical way to deal with it? And this is the one where um, I both agree and disagree with you. You, know, you basically said you didn't like the question uh, and that it's total bullshit. Because you, you can't have a criticism for AOC and not and not have a solution. And that's not what I said. I simply challenged anyone who has a problem to come up with a better idea. That's not to say you cannot criticize without having a solution. No, I, 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 I didn't mean to infer that. But again, if we're going to trash her on it, if you're going to trash her on not being vocal, fine. You don't need a solution for that. But if you're going to trash someone on it, like I'm going to trash Biden, right? for continuing the Trump era of locking kids in cages. Well, then what's a more ethical way to deal with it? The more ethical way to deal with it would be to start building daycare and childcare centers that actually have complete, clean and beautiful childcare facilities where they can actually start getting education, receive medical care, receive actual parenting from people and start pushing them into the foster system and until then rent out some hotels yep. but do not force them to sit in cages that's my ethical solution if we have money to bomb syria we have money to rent out 17 holiday inns yep end of story so again it's not hard to and, and you don't have to like that solution you might have your own but I'm sorry, if we're going to criticize the furthest, one of the furthest progressive voices on this one, we need to have some suggestions. That's part of good governance. So you don't have to have the perfect answer. But again, if we're going to go after someone like this, we need to bring something to the table is what I think. And the biggest thing is especially her not taking a stance on, on vote on health care. Now, again, I agree with that complaint. I think it's a good one and I think it's fair. But I'm just I guess I don't see AOC. As far left, I see AOC as a progressive. She is not a leftist. AOC is not a socialist. And so I don't expect socialism from her. Mm -hmm. I expect progressive liberalism from her. And I'm sorry, she's delivered. AOC yeah. is a true liberal. She is a pussy hat wearing liberal. And that's okay. It's not for me. I'm a leftist. But she is not. And so I can't hold her to that standard just like I can't hold anybody else. I can say all of them need to be leftist and I'm going to lump her in then with all the Democrats and that's fine. But for one Democrat to actually push for things more than anybody else, again, for me, they're going to get the least of my ire. Not that you shouldn't criticize AOC. You should. But she is not Pelosi because Pelosi is a pro-choice Republican. Yep. And, and that I think is the key. AOC is right a liberal. There. Yeah. And that's the key distinction. Like, I don't think any of us were disagreeing that she has made missteps. I'll have to look, go back and listen. But I, Or that she I'm hasn't sure. been a disappointment because I've been yeah. disappointed in a lot of shit AOC has done. But yeah, but what we the, the key point we take issue with is her slipping or her not living up to what you want her to be 
and immediately lumping her in with Pelosi. I think that was the key for me where we, where I disagreed with at least you can be right about AOC, not following through on things she needs to follow through. And you can be right to criticize her and she can still not be the same as Pelosi. Like it's not this, it's not like the moment she trips automatically, she's the worst person ever. And that's, I think where I took issue is a lot of people are doing that. It's this, not standing up for the kids in cages anymore. Valid. She's not fighting for Medicare for all. Valid. Now she's Pelosi. No, she's not. Uh, nothing yeah, she has done legislatively compares to Pelosi. And I don't think, and, and again, let me just go one step further. We, we named Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar as more, more progressive than her. I'm just going to break the news to y'all now. They're going to play the game a little bit too. Yep, they and are. And when they do, it's not going to mean that they're now suddenly Pelosi. Part of working in Congress means working with others. Like they're going to have to work with Republicans on things too. I'm not going to like it. I think they're going to compromise on stuff and I'm going to bitch about it and complain about it, but I also expect it to happen. And I'm not going to immediately lump them in as like sellouts and, and losers just because they've done it. We can strive to, and I want everyone to be Maxine Waters at the minimum. Yes. But that's unrealistic. And again, if we're going to sit here and say, well, that's bullshit and we shouldn't just uh, be okay with the middle ground. I agree. That's why I don't vote for Democrats. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I voted for a socialist. Do your part and support the people who agree. But again, I'm just, I'm not going to give them the same. I'm going to criticize AOC as well. And I think your criticisms of AOC are legit and they are accurate and I share them. I am also disappointed that she has no problem with torturing and jailing Mexican children. And I have a problem that in the face of a global pandemic, she has not fought to give us all health care. These are my complaints against Joe Biden, too, I'm against every Democrat. But for kind of example, this to call AOC Nancy Pelosi would be like saying, well, Joe Biden bombed Syria, didn't give us health care, and he fucked a bunch of shit up and did a bunch of American bullshit. And so therefore, he's the same as Trump. And it's like, I don't like Joe. And boy, does it I get a, I get a little bit of throw up in my mouth when I have to defend him because Joe Biden is on my shit list. Yeah. But he's not a willful alt-right white supremacist fascist like Trump was. That yeah. doesn't mean he doesn't suck. So you can say AOC is a disappointment and a failure to the progressive movement. And on that, I will actually back you. You are correct. She is a total disappointment, just like Obama was. We hoped for something. It worked out for a little while. And then the system ate her. Maybe she'll recover. Probably not. That's not how this tends to work. I'm just not going to lump her in with conservatives like Pelosi until she does Pelosi style shit. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree. Getting, you may hear a little bit of like detachment in our voices when we, we talk about this. It's because we're not emotionally invested in our politicians. That's the thing. And, and this is not to say that you are Justin. I'm just speaking in general because there's just this rabid cult, like fandom cults of personality that develop around these politicians. And I've said it online. I think I've said it here. These people are not football stars. They aren't sports stars. They aren't your favorite sports team. You aren't supposed to be holding these just diehard, like emotional opinions about no, them. You're supposed they, to be critical yeah. of them of all times. Uh, yeah. To be honest. I don't think we should be that way about sports stars either. You know, those are not the people to be revered. Politicians are not people to be revered. Except Paul Revere. Well, sure. That was, Jesus, um, Chris, really? They like, can't I mean, all be gold. No, honestly, you're better than that. <laughs> Chris, uh, okay, go ahead. But my, my point of that is, is that we need to be critical of 
everyone in the public eye because these people have a lot of influence and as such they need to wield that power usefully and when they don't wield that power usefully we need to call them out on it yeah but that's not to say that we get to just liken them to whoever we want because they aren't doing exactly what we believe that they should you could be a disappointment and a failure and not be the devil yeah. They they have to they have to play ball just like everyone else because otherwise they will literally never get anything done. Mm. Yeah. We definitely sometimes disagree a little bit do. on that one. Sometimes they do, man. I'm so not saying I, in I would every just instance. Argue sometimes so again, like let's let's lo- use uh Medicare for All as an example. They wouldn't have won anything by forcing the vote. Like we know this. This is a known quantity. But having them force the vote would have made everyone go on record as to where they stand. They would have forced Democrats and Republicans to go on record. And then they could have used that to go after the people that aren't doing what we elected them to do. And they didn't do that. That's the argument from for M4A. On top of it, someone like AOC who got elected, she got elected because people are disgusted with the system. And her constituents wanted massive progressive change. This would have been a perfect moment that she could have been like, hey, don't like whatever you want. I fought for it. We lost, but I didn't let you down, and she didn't. This was a failure on her part. She could have capitalized on it as well. It wasn't like she just played ball for her benefit. I think she didn't. I think she played ball to her detriment because these conversations are now happening with progressives, and progressives are the only ones who like her. Yeah. Well, and I I agree with you on that point. After this all happened, her and, and the rest of the squad were toting how they, they passed this legislation that made it easier for the Green New Deal to be passed down the road. That was their, their big compromise. They felt like they got it. And here's the thing. That might be true, and that might be a great thing, but in the court of public opinion, nobody cared about that. Because yeah. nobody thinks the Green New Deal is going to happen. So making it easier for it to happen when nobody thinks it's going to at the cost of being able to go on the attack over M4A is a loss to the people people's to people's minds. And and I get it. And, but it goes to my point. I don't think AOC did it for nothing. I think she was trying to play the game. And in her mind, she got something just as good. But I think everybody else largely disagrees. And, and I think that's a valid point. Fair enough. And on the end of his email, he did ask two more questions. He said, my question is, Chris, number one, can you tell us more about the SRA, the mission, how to join this movement? Uh, I am not a spokesman for the SRA. I can tell you it's a Socialist Rifle Association. It is small. It is tiny. It is grassroots. It is not like the NRA or anything big. It is disorganized, not funded, and scattered. Um, It is actually very hard to get involved with anyone. I have been trying, and my communications with people at the local SRA are hit and miss. I've been on their Instagram, and it's hard to get a message back. And part of that might just be COVID, but the SRA is tiny. I would say Google it, and you'll find their Instagrams. Try to find their social medias and message them. Be like, how do I get involved? But it's difficult, and I would love to see that grow, though, because the SRA is about grassroots movement of arming communities of color and teaching them gun safety and marksmanship. The things that the NRA was actually supposed to do. It is about teaching regular people how to defend themselves in their homes. And number two, for the revolutionary, he has has a really, I think it was, I've actually heard this from friends and people. This is a really good question. Uh, For the revolutionists listening, how can we get more involved? How do we find when and where protests will be happening? What are organizations we could look for to get more connected to the heart of the movement? Basically, again, this is grassroots. It's word of mouth. Now, one of the best ways to start getting involved is find organizations that are active, like the BLM of your nearest city. They will have an Instagram page. They'll have a Facebook page. They will tell you when they're having meetings, and they will also say when they're going to protest. Now, 
you may be thinking you want to do something better than a peaceful BLM liberal protest, but man, is that a great way to find leftists and get connected to the community. Showing up at a protest, you will make friends. Get involved with them. First of all, download the app Signal on your phone. It is an encrypted two-way messaging system. It works like texting, but it is fully encrypted. It's end-to-end encryption, and it cannot be intercepted yet. Now, remember, um, I wouldn't do anything horribly illegal on it because, you know, in the next 25 years, we will have quantum computing technology in the government, and everything that is uh, encrypted right now will be de-encrypted. Something you sent that was encrypted 10 years ago, that will be read by the NSA in the next two decades. But with that app, you can communicate with other leftists and it can't be intercepted at things like protests where the police have been intercepting people's text messages. So go to these things, meet people in meet space in person, um, because that's where you're going to be trusted. Download that app signal. It's free. Anybody can use it. And you'll have a pin on it and you can text people and do things like meet up for protests, find out when actions are going to be. You need to build a small grassroots meet space network of your own. I know when protests are coming because I have met and made friends with other leftists I communicate with and we tell each other when we hear stuff through the grapevine. When I went to the Huntington Beach thing because someone sent me the picture of the flyer the Klan put out and said, holy shit, this is happening. And I immediately texted my protest buddy. He's like, holy shit, have you guys heard about this? And we were like, yeah, we're definitely going to show up to this. And then eventually BLM got witness, you know, word of it. And then a bigger protest evolved. But I mean, that's it's all grassroots. I, I would love to tell you that there's some Excel spreadsheet you can sign up for. You'll get regular emails from soup cans. It's disjointed. It's chaotic. Meet leftists and go to even if it's even if it's not hardcore or super far, you know, go to a liberal protest if you want. You will find people at at, at the most liberal milk toast protests. You will see leftists. You will see anarchists and communists. Meet them download signal, message them, talk to them, get involved. That's the way to do it is you just start making friends and you all start passing this around like old ladies at a knitting circle. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for the questions, everyone. Thank you for the engagement. Please keep it up. As you guys can see, we're getting so overloaded. We just had to dedicate an entire episode to literally just answering your questions. I love all the ones that aren't political either. Um, I like uh, talking to you guys about what we're into and, and keep that up as well, please. Agreed. This was a lot of fun. I agree. Uh, we will definitely do this more often. This will happen again. Uh, as I think we've said already, we aren't going to be having a regular episode this week. This is going to be filling it, mostly because we've got a lot of familial things going on in the back end for us. We will be back next week with our regularly scheduled episode. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember, kids, the revolution is you.